You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinko. Uh, big welcome. I was having lunch on the river in, um, actually was on the river, and in the, in the city yesterday, and I ordered some strawberries and ice cream for dessert. And, you know, the usual strawberries and ice cream, and I ate it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is actually amazing. Like, this is, this is not just strawberries and ice cream. This is, it's like they've added vinegar and sorghum. Oh gosh, the textures are changing. And my friend's like laughing at me a bit, going, oh my gosh, you've become such a foodie snob. Like, what's happened to you? And I'm like, no, this is not just strawberries and ice cream. Like, you need to try it for you. And in the end, I'm like, if you don't believe me, try it for yourself. Taste and see how good this is. So he tastes and sees, oh, far out. This is awesome. And so like, then we had this like pretty, you know, called the waiter over and asked what the secret was. What did you do to these strawberries to make them taste so good? And he was pretty thrilled and told us his little tips. The point is, some things you need to taste and see for yourself to really appreciate how good it is. You can hear someone describing it, you can, you know, read about it, but ultimately tasting and seeing it for yourself is is part of the experience in this ice cream and strawberry dessert, but also it's today in church and knowing Jesus. So we've called our service Come and See in a similar way to Taste and See. Come and see what church is like. Come and see what it's like to follow Jesus. And today we have Phil and Chase um, who are going to share some of their story at what it was like for them to know Jesus and what it's been like for them since to walk with God. And then I'll have a little bit of a chat afterwards. Um, Hi, Phil. Hi, Chase. How are you both going? Good. <laughs> um, some people might know you both, but for those that don't, can you just give a bit of a, what's life look like when you're not on a Sunday morning service? Where are you? What do you do? Um, I actually don't. This is my first time in the morning service, so I'm usually at the Sunday at six. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. I just finished school, I guess, this year. Um... Just finished school. What school did you head to? Down College. And plans for next year? I'm not sure yet. To be decided. And a usual Sunday morning when you're not in this service, what would you be doing? Sleeping. Sleeping time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, there's a few other 6pmers that that's what they are doing right now as well. So well done. How about you, Phil? When you're, you're usually here on a Sunday morning, but what do you do through the week? What's life look like? Um, well, I'm recently retired, however, we still do have a swim school that yep. we run, um, which I'm just in the background a little bit. I um, uh, have lived in Diamond Creek all my life. Okay. Um, so, two decades then? Three uh, decades. We're, uh, I'm fifth generation, so it <laughs> goes back a little bit, yeah. Um, and um, married to Debbie and have three children who are all married and uh, four grandchildren and one on the way. So, and yeah. I hear your family used to own a fruit shop down the road. Uh, yes, we used to live right in the main street of Diamond Creek. Yeah, Which is and, now um, Street. Yeah, they had a fruit shop there for many years until the road went through and it was pulled down. And, they, and where the um, bike shop used to be, um, that was their fruit shop, yep. Okay. So for both of you, 
what was life like before you knew Jesus? Both of you, like me, there was a time in your life when you, when you met Jesus. What was, can you give us a snapshot? We'll start with you, Chase. What did life look like beforehand? Um, just, I suppose... I don't want to say empty, but yeah, like you just um, kind of feel like there's now come to Jesus, you just feel like there was something missing, like, um, yeah. Um, Can you flesh that out for us? So you're at school? Yeah, and um, I had a really hard time finding friends um, and just always feeling inferior to the friends that I had, um, just... I suppose comparing myself to them and um, trying to be smart and mm-hmm. um, yeah, just really difficult time. I'm seeing them and thinking I'm comparison and I'm yeah. not like that and I'd like to be like that and yeah, just always mm-hmm. trying to um, prove your worth. Um, yeah. Okay, that influences every area of life too, right? I'd yeah, imagine absolutely. rather than just school. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny, really, because um, my parents really never knew that I was going through that because my grades in school were going up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose they were kind of praising me for that, but not really knowing the inside of it. That's often how it is, isn't it? We have an external of things look good, yeah. grades are going well, but actually inside we all of us struggle at different times with things that are happening there and how our heart is at yeah. the time. Yeah. How about you, Phil? What was life like for you? Before you met God? Um, I, I went to Sunday school here. Um, I was dropped off every Sunday morning and picked up afterwards. Um, one morning I got picked up a little bit early because we were playing chasey beforehand and came out of what the hall door was and instead of turning left went right and split my head open and Thanks. ruined all the beautiful um, new top that I had on. Um, but I went to a, a Christian school um, and I married a Christian lady, but really didn't know Jesus as such. Um, um, but grew up sort of in the church, but um, it was just something you did. Um, you just you went to church, um, you did Sunday school because that's what your parents sort of told you to do. Um, I was baptised but wasn't confirmed, so I hadn't really made any commitments, so to speak. What does confirmed mean? Um, well, confirmed means to me that I actually handed my life over to Jesus and yeah. said that um, I wanted to follow him. And, um, and become part of his flock, yeah. and, uh, which I did later on in life. And yeah. um, uh, when we got married, um, uh, Debbie started to come here, and I didn't necessarily follow. Um, I was working Sunday morning, so I did have an excuse. Um, but the minister at the time asked Debbie to do uh, a girls' group here at St John's, and he came and had a meeting with us for. Uh, well, I just happened to be there one lunchtime, and he casually turned to me and said, "How come you don't come to church on Sundays?" 
And at the time, I'd just given up to uh, work on Sunday morning, and so I never had an excuse. I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a reason for not coming. So hence I started to come. And, um, and that was Ed Lang, and uh, he, he never backed off. And then Barry and Jan Green were the ministers uh, after that. And... Um, with their nurturing, they, they got me into a, a Bible study group. Um, it was a men's Bible study group on Saturday morning. And um, there was some very senior members of St. John's at that Bible study. And uh, uh, we did a reading one morning and they became quite emotional, which I... It inspired me because I thought, here's these men that were obviously reading the, the same passage that they'd read many times from the Bible, and, and yet they were, they were overcome by what they were reading. And I thought, yeah, there really is something in this. Um, um, if these men uh, are going to feel that way, um, that I needed to know more about it as well. So. Were these men that you'd met before, or walked like had um, were you friends with them? Uh, yeah, look, when you lived in the town, uh, yeah, I did know the men, um, um, and I can name them. They were uh, was Cyril Smith, uh, Ivan Jones, Len Johnson, uh, Barry Hollingsworth, um, and there's one other <laughs> who's. <laughs> um, I can't remember. Uh, if you know you're that now. person, just know that you're that uh, person. Uh, it will come back he to loves me. Too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and we actually have a, that passage that they were reading on the screen. I was wondering if you could read it out for us once we once we get it up there. This was the passage, the next one that the the guys in this Bible study were reading on that day. So it'll be the next next slide. Uh, finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of Skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. So Phil, it's kind of powerful that you grew up in church, you have memories of hitting your head and blood coming on your shirt, like externally it would have looked, yeah, culturally I'm doing, I'm going to church, it looks external. And yet on this day you came in, met with these guys, saw them get emotional as they read, read the Bible and something, something changed for you on that day. If I had never heard, met you before, what, what happened? What went on on that day? Um, I, I, obviously having come and you heard the, the children's Bible stories, um, and you knew about Christmas and, and you knew about Easter and the significance of it, but it wasn't until that particular morning that I actually felt that I was missing something, um, that I, I needed to delve into this a lot more um, because these men um, obviously had studied the Bible in far more detail than I could have ever imagined and yet 
that morning when they when they read it, um, you could actually see tears in their eyes, uh, knowing what Jesus was going through that day and going to go through, and because they they knew the story. We we talk about Easter as, as being crucified. We don't go into the detail, and they knew the detail at the time, and they were really losing somebody. It was significant. It was it was like losing something significant to them, and um, and you could just feel it in the room. It it was like your it was like you're at a wake, um, and they they they'd lost somebody really powerful to them. And uh, and I thought if it's if Jesus is that powerful to them, um, I need that person to be powerful for me. Good one, thank you, Chase. What about you? What what happened for you that you went from where you were to knowing God now? Can you talk us through that? Um, as I said, I was going through a really hard time, and um, I also lost um, one of my best friends that year as well. Um, so because I was just really depressed, I would always be in my room, um, wouldn't come out. Um, just being teenage girl. <laughs> um, just trying to rebel against my parents and um, yeah uh, and I think I kind of got a really good friend group going on at school that time um, and two of them were Christian but they didn't um, practice on them I suppose um, but at lunchtime it would be like conspiracies of the world Seven Wonders. Um, the things you're talking about. Yeah, yep. and Jesus and God would often be a topic that we um, kind of pondered on. Um, and one day I kind of just woke up and was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue this. Let's find out more about this Jesus dude. Um, and I remember watching videos on people who had experiences with Jesus um, and there was a boy who drowned and supposedly after you've um, been unconscious or I suppose pronounced dead after two hours or whatever, you're meant to have brain damage when you wake up or, um, and then the boy woke up, he had no brain damage and he was telling the story about how he went to heaven and he saw Jesus and I just, like, just really touched me. Hmm. Um, that was on YouTube, you were watching that? Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny, I had a shower that night and <laughs> I just broke down in tears and fell on my knees and I was just praying to Jesus and repenting and it's kind of funny how I think about it now is that I feel like that shower is almost like a baptism. That just, yeah. Um, it's powerful, so it was quite private then, you weren't... You had a group of friends that were, some of them were talking about Jesus and seven wonders of the world, but you're like, I want to know more. Yeah. Can I just backtrack a bit? You said you're in the shower and like repenting. What what does repenting mean? I'm kind of just confessing that you've sinned and that you've done wrong and just turning away from that saying that you don't want to choose that life anymore. Um, you want to follow the life of God. Yeah. yeah. So you and God, you're saying, I want to follow your yeah. ways here. Yeah. Um, it was really hard that time also because my parents aren't Christian, but 
My grandma is Christian, she is in practice. Um, so it's kind of hard to, like, what to do on that next. Like, I felt like I had no one to kind of come to and talk about it. Um, and so I messaged my great auntie Jo. Um, <laughs> Who happens to be here? <laughs> um, to see if she would take me to church. And she did. And I just loved everything of it. But um, sitting over there, and everyone was standing up, saying, "Like I just felt like crying." It was such like, an intense moment. So powerful. Yeah. Be good to have Joan up here another time, sharing <laughs> <laughs> sharing that other side. So for both of you, there was it's interesting to me that both of you met groups of believers. You saw Jesus is powerful in their life, and for you, it just got you thinking. I want to look into this person, this dude, to quote you a little bit more. <laughs> and to see what he's about. Um, people come to, to Jesus in different ways. Um, for some, it's a private prayer. For some, it's just turning up at church and getting to know him. For all of us, it's a decision at some stage to go, I'm putting my faith and my trust in him. I'm going to lean and depend on him. Um, I was wondering, and we'll talk a little bit about that shortly, but I'm wondering, after choosing to trust God, like after becoming a Christian, what's life been like since... Either one of you can start. Um, it, it, it's, I'll, I'll get to that in a sec, but um, you, you mentioned Joan, and Joan um, had, had a lot to do with, um, with, with me as well, because I can remember Joan at the football and um, standing on the boundary line and, and barracking as hard for Diamond Creek as I've heard anybody barrack. And, um, and I thought, that that's the same lady that goes to church, so it's not all bad. <laughs> um, I, I, I suppose um, when I really uh, found that uh, Jesus ha- um, was walking beside me um, and, and was with me was a time after um, we'd been managing the local pool for... 16 years and um, we lost the contract and uh, it was a pretty sad time because um, it was like losing a baby it was uh, it really hurt and the following November um, I had to go back and coach the swimming squad again and uh, at the same pool and um, that was pretty tough but uh, one morning we were there and um, I gave all the swimmers a warm-up we were waiting for some to, to finish and um, as they were finishing I noticed one of the swimmers duck diving to the bottom of the pool and stood over the side of the pool and was um, watching this swimmer down on the bottom and it, she seemed to be down there for a little bit too long so Tim, uh, our eldest son, he was one of the senior swimmers and he actually worked as a lifeguard for me as well so he duck dived down to the bottom of the pool and grabbed her and pulled her to the top. And uh, at which time I noticed that uh, she was unconscious and I also noticed that um, it was my own daughter. And um, which we dragged her out of the pool rather quickly and um, we resuscitated her. She um, started breathing but she didn't gain consciousness. And um, so an ambulance was called and um, she was rushed off to the Austin Hospital. 
And we prayed on the way down. I did anyway. I was on the own. I was in the ambulance. Um, I didn't realise that the ambulance drivers were breaking every rule possible to get to the hospital. Um, she was rushed in. By the time she got there, there was probably about nine people in the emergency room waiting for her. Um, I was allowed into the emergency room. Um, I, di I didn't realise at that time that I was obviously peaceful enough and calm enough that for me to be allowed in there was most unusual um, because most parents, I believe, would be quite distraught and, and they would be more of a, an influence than a help. They actually helped me to calm Taryn down and um, she was later put into a, an induced coma and put into a intensive care um, and, and she had many, many tests done on her. Um, she ended up, she fully recovered. Uh, she had no brain damage. Um, through the whole process, when they're doing all the tests, we knew that people from this church were praying for her, and um, we knew that we had the support, um, not only from this church, from people from well outside the church. Um, and we just felt calm the whole time. We felt that God was with us. Um, we couldn't, by getting upset and, and everything like that, wasn't going to help Taryn. Um, we didn't understand what the reason was, why she'd collapsed on the bottom of the pool, but we did find out later that it was, um, it was her first epileptic seizure. And... Um, she became a miracle from there. Um, not many people are on the bottom for that long without getting any sort of brain damage. So we just thank the Lord that, um, um, that he was with us and, that, uh, and with everybody that was in that situation at that time. And um, it was a significant point that just to show that you know, God can do miracles and be with you, and um, and we wouldn't have it today, I believe, unless it, uh, Jesus had been there on that at that that morning. Yeah. That's powerful, Phil. Thanks, and I know you've shared in the past too. It was the that so many little timing things worked out that God was just in the right place at the right time with the right people to be able to um, save your daughter essentially from drowning on that day. Yeah, it, was, uh, it just seemed to be one. One person at a time, um, um, the, the, the head person, I think, was in ICU. I taught his children to swim. So um, when I came in, he looked at me and as though to say, is this your daughter? And I said, yeah. He said, it's a miracle um, because I couldn't even, I can't tell people to this day how long she was on the bottom for. Um, and she was obviously there for a while. Praise God. Chase, what, um, so where, where you've gone to YouTube, you've phoned Great Auntie Jones, Great Auntie Jones brought you to church, you've come to church, things are great. Has there been a scripture for you that's really resonated as like, this is just really sums up what it's been like for me to walk with God? Um, yeah, just... 
Well, we happened to have prepared that earlier. And um, I'm wondering if you could read that up for us and then share a bit why it's relevant for you since. Yeah. Do you want me to read it? Okay. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. So that's the passage you chose to sum up what it's been like for you walking with God. Can you give us an example of of why? Why that's a special passage for you? You had mentioned in the past you're feeling unworthy was your word or comparing yourself to others but now to, to paraphrase you, you said you, you, you realise that I'm just feeling fearful I'm going to bring this to God what, what does he do when you do pray or when you do bring those fears to him Yeah, there's a passage in 1 John and it says perfect love casts out all fear and I think you've hit on this point of when we follow Jesus it's a relationship with him like yes it's not he's not walking around with blood and flesh right now that we could you know touch him but he's he's living amongst us and in us and when we ask for that relationship with him he he's as real he's as close to us as as anyone else could possibly be um and his love brings out those fears and dissolves them. But for you, there's, there's still a step of bringing them to him. It's not sort of passive. It's an active relationship that we walk in and engage in. Thank you both. Is there anything more you'd like to share to people today? If they were here going, okay, what's my next step? Or is there any, any final words that you'd like to share? Um, yeah, I'd like to just say that... Um when I was sort of asked to do this, um, I my immediate reaction is that um, being a person that's been involved in so many community activities and clubs and um, different sports and things that I've been involved in over many, many years, um, I think that what being a Christian is and being part of the church uh, and how that to me, because um, people talk of the church as the building and I talk of the church as the people. Um, and I think that as a Christian you understand that and uh, the number of people that would drive past here and call this building the church, um, I just call it the building that we worship in or we come to on Sundays or special events or whenever. 
Um, I think the interaction with the, the, the church, and that means the church family and the people out here and the support that you get, um, is so much different to a club um, or any other organisation because there's not that competitive edge. It's a time when you can come and just um, and relax to be yourself. And um, <laughs> I sort of wasn't prepared, um, and, and Julian Chase know this and a couple of others, that uh, I thought I was just going to read my testimony. <laughs> and, um, and, and once you sort of get, uh, and you ask for Jesus to, to, to be with you and put the words in, that's the difference. Um, that's the difference because you know you're talking to your church and and I think to be a Christian that's that's part of it and I think the other part of being a Christian is that sometimes you are identified as being different um, I know um, I, I know people do say to me quite often that I am different um, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> Um, but I, I hope it's, it's. I hope it is a good thing, um, and that I know a lot of people confide in me, and um, uh, and and they know that I, I don't hide the fact that I, I yet I don't walk around advertising it either. But um, I, I know that, that Jesus is with me, and and when there is an issue. Um, Quite often people will say, would you pray for me? Or they're happy for me to, mm. to have them pray. And um, Yeah, I think that's something that's come into my life since so you've I've... you've seen the power of answered prayer and now you're able to pray for others as well. Yeah. yeah. Phil, how, how long ago was it that you came to, know, or came to follow Jesus or chose to follow oh, Jesus? I was about 34. Um, older? Younger. Younger. <laughs> I knew I was going to get all these dates wrong and I'll be corrected afterwards, don't worry. Um, yeah, so... You're about 34? Yeah. And Chase, what about you? How long ago was it that you chose to follow Jesus? October last year. October last year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's kind of funny, I think of myself as a new Christian, but like you just accept it no matter what. Um, you're either with Christ or you're going to come to him couple of times. Like, yeah, so good. You just, it's Bruce, yeah, it's like you said, you just accept it and you're equal and yeah. Well, thank you both. Let's, let's give them a round of applause because it takes courage to come up and to share their stories. We can both sit down takes a lot of courage to come up and share um, their lives like that. So thank you both. I just want to um, wrap it up in about five minutes and have just a little chat about this. In, um, we'll go to the next one. In, in the story that Chase shared, she was sharing about Jesus in the storm. So what we have is Jesus saying to his disciples, come with me on this boat. We're going to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, for most of you, you will know the Sea of Galilee is still a lake that's in the north of Israel. And so he hops in and he heads out and the storms and the waves suddenly happen. And even today, there's northeast winds that come down on the Sea of Galilee and storms happen in seconds. You can see the land and the horizon at one stage 
the, it's not really a horizon, the land around them on one side, but then within a change of the wind, these storms swell up. And the story tells us the waters came in, the, the wind rose, the waters rose, the water came in, the disciples were panicking, and Jesus was sleeping. And in some of the stories, it says sleeping on a cushion. Like, it was a comfortable sleep. He wasn't even, like, you know, all, all skewed up. He was comfortably sleeping on a cushion in the middle of this storm. And the disciples were panicking and saying, Master, Master, we're drowning. Don't you care? And he kept sleeping. And I thought, how much is that like life for us? We might not have been in a storm in the Sea of Galilee, although you, you could, it's still there to go on a boat ride in if you wanted to. But sometimes the storms are outside of our life and sometimes they're on the inside. As Chase and Phil both shared, Chase was saying there was a storm in her heart. God, am I worthy? Do I measure up with my friends? Essentially, that's a, that's a cry of a teenage girl that, as I've also been a teenage girl, I'm going to like jump in a bit and say, um, am I lovable, God? Am I, do, does someone notice me? Do people care? Do I measure up to what you've got? You know, and, and feel we could relate to that, the storm of seeing a lady at the bottom of a pool and then realising it's your own daughter. What, kind of, what more could be a storm? What more terrifying event could happen than that? And we see again and again that these things that we lean on, God kind of teaches us that anything we're leaning on that's not of him is shakable. If we're leaning on our friends' opinions of us or if we fit in, oh, it's shaky. As soon as this moves, I'm suddenly unstable. If we're leaning on, I'm just taking a stab, the stock market and our investment's going well, well, as soon as that drops, oh gosh, gee, I'm now shaky as well. If we're leaning on the comfort of Australia, life going well, it's a good life here. The minute we read news reports that show us, geez, it's not, it's not safe anymore, straight away, it's shaky ground. And God teaches us, if you're leaning on anything but me, it's shaky ground. Jesus says, I am the one that's unshakable. I am the one you can lean on and rely on. I'm the one that isn't shakable ground. In this story, we see he had authority over the waves and over the wind. In other stories, we see he has authority over sickness, over evil. He has authority over life and death, being raised from the dead. He has authority to forgive sins, meaning to forgive the things that we've done wrong against God. In the story, the disciples are saying, Master, Master, help us, we're drowning. And he wakes up and he stands there and he says to the wind and the waves, be still. And he says to his disciples, his followers, you have little faith. And the disciples looked at him and looked at each other and they were amazed, saying, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? You can imagine just the shock and the awe. I want to ask each of you today in the room, do you know Jesus personally? Do you know him in a way that you're walking with him, that you're praying to him, that you know him as your comforter, as your refuge, as your provider, as your best friend? 
as your Lord and as your Saviour. Whether it's knowing him and meeting him last year or whether it's been 30, since you were 34, whether it's been decades, each of us, when we choose to follow Jesus, choose to say, Lord, I choose to stop leaning on myself, to stop relying on the things that I used to rely on. And though I don't quite know what it's going to look like, I want to stand and look to you. I want to put my trust in you and take that next step of what it is to know God personally and to follow him. Now, some of you, I became a Christian when I was 21. And some of you might have, you know, might be thinking, you know, Christianity, isn't it a dying religion? Like, let's face it, it's, the church is getting smaller these days. And I'd just like to challenge that a bit. I was at a, a conference on the weekend called Awakening Australia, and it was in Marvel Stadium. And there was a man there, Nick, I don't know how to say his last name, Fujitsi, something like that. He was born without arms and without legs. You might have read his book. And he um, has recently been to the Ukraine. 800,000 people came to hear him speak the gospel. 400,000 said yes to following Jesus on that day. The government of the Ukraine heard and invited him to come and speak to them. So he went and spoke to them, this man with no arms and no legs that's learned to get by. And he shared the government with the government of the Ukraine about Jesus. And he showed us a picture at the Marvel Stadium on the weekend of all the government, all on their knees, saying, God, we're sorry for trusting in ourselves. We're sorry for doing things our way. We want to trust in you. We want to follow you. It was phenomenal. He then asked people in the room, did anyone want to follow Jesus? And I saw hundreds of people walking down saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. The next night I wasn't there, but some friends told me people were running down saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. So I would say that Christianity is not some dying little religion that's phasing out. Relationship with God is still happening worldwide. There are so many people still choosing to follow Jesus and knowing him personally. Or perhaps you hear the story of Jesus in our storms. What a lovely story. That's really quite a nice story. I like that story. There's a lot of, I like a lot of other stories as well. It's, uh, it's probably a bit of a myth. I don't know if he really had a cushion. Well, maybe he had a cushion, but I don't really know about these. You know, like, we, we put little uh, footnotes into the stories. You know, it's, it's a nice story. But I would say, again, that knowing God is something you need to do personally. It's not something we can rationalise and go, oh, maybe it's a myth, maybe it's a story. I, I've, done, I've, had five, I've studied five degrees in my life. Two of them have been masters. One of them is in theology, the other one's in Christian studies. And I can tell you, I've met many people that have studied their whole life trying to understand the Bible, trying to know God. And it's all here. It's an academic pursuit. They don't know him personally. Knowing God personally requires that next step from us to say, God... Yes, I mean, I encourage academia, I encourage you to go and look into it if you want to research further. But ultimately, it's a decision of your heart. It's a decision of your will to go, I don't know a lot, but what I know, I'm going to put my trust in God. I'm going to try. I'm going to step closer to knowing him. Perhaps you're here going, those two stories are nothing compared to my life. If only people knew what I've really done in my life. And I want to say God does know what you've really done and God loves you and pursues you and there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. 
In fact, it's his job description to offer us an exchange. He wants the things of our life that feel too hard, the relationships that feel broken, the circumstances that just are too tricky for us. And in exchange, he gives us his life and life in abundance. That's why Jesus came to give us that life. But really, he doesn't just want the pieces or the bits of our life. He wants our whole life. He wants us to give our lives and say, God, here's my life. Use me. Here's my life. I want to know you more. Ultimately, I'd encourage you to take that next step. To not do nothing, but to do something. If you're not sure, if you've, if you've chosen no, I just want nothing to do with Jesus, that's your choice and there's freedom for that and we recognise that. If you've said yes, get yourself involved in a local church. You're welcome here. Find a community of believers to grow in God and know Jesus more. But if you're in the, oh, maybe, I just don't know. I, I'm a bit like Phil. I, I, I go at Christmas time and Easter time. I'm just not sure. I encourage you, don't do nothing today. Do something. Take that next step to know Jesus personally. And I've listed some things there that you could do. Um, but ultimately, I'd encourage you, come. Come and speak to us after the service about knowing God personally. Don't do nothing. There will be a team of us afterwards that will be over here and we'd love to chat with you. We'd love to pray with you if you'd like that. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to give you a copy of the Bible um, to take home or to have a chat through the week, whatever you'd like. I'm going to leave that to you and I'm going to pray for us now. Heavenly Father, we've heard stories today of Jesus moving powerfully in Phil and Chase's life. We've heard stories of you moving powerfully in the Ukraine, in the government of the Ukraine. There are so many stories in this room of how you have moved in people's life, bringing peace into their storms, intervening miraculously in the areas of strife and challenge and disaster. We acknowledge you're God and we're not. And so there's always going to be mystery and some things we just can't answer. But God, with the faith we have, we put it to you and we ask that you would make yourself known to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.